So, Berto, I thought we'd do a fun episode where we answered Ooh. some patron emails and some questions from the listeners for us. What do you say? Let's do it. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirkonda. I'm a therapist, and I'm also a professor and a YouTuber and a podcaster. My name is Umberto Castaneda, and I offer half-price Oscar trophy cleaning. So, this mm, email is from listener Brooke from Cleveland. They write, Hi, Dr. Kirk and Umberto. What might be the justification for tech scammers using tech scamming to take advantage of vulnerable people? I have recently been watching Jim Browning's YouTube videos on tech scammers. Jim purposely mm-hmm. allows scammers to gain access to his computer, and then he reverses the connection so that he can gain access to the scammers' computers. Just chiming in here, Berto, have you heard of this before? Yes, yes, I've seen these, and I've also seen videos where the the call they they get the calls from the the call centers and then the the guy ends up stringing them along and right. they're quite hilarious right so if you don't know this out there in podcast land there are people around the world but particularly in India where they will call people <laughs> up in the United States and prey on people that don't know it's a scam so they'll say um hello uh Mr. Johnson your computer has been hacked, and I am from Microsoft, and so <laughs> I need you to go on your computer, and I'm going to walk you through a step so that we can protect your computer from the hackers. Yeah. And in the process, they get access to your money or your credit cards or something. Uh, so, by the way, uh, my mom fell prey to one of these things. So did mine. Yeah. Like, I, how long ago was this? Three or four years ago. Same. And now... I was really shocked because my mom, uh, you know, she's actually quite technologically savvy. Yeah, my mom too. Right? And my mom knows to call me she knows, before yes. she does any of these things. And she Absolutely. did it anyway. Not only that, my, my mom, and I'm surprised, same as yours. My mom is super conservative when it comes to money and, and things and stuff like that. So I get a call from her after the fact. She calls yeah. me. She's like, hi, I have a question for you. I'm yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, oh. So... Does Microsoft call you to clear your system yeah. of virus? So, and I'm like, no. Well, no. So for me, same, exactly. And I was actually at Disneyland when she calls oh, me. Man. And she, she, she says the same exact thing. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, well, mom, actually, that's a total scam. Never reply to them. Just, just it. There's a one percent chance that it's legit, but even if it were, you actually want to go through their website. But you probably want to, uh, you know, talk with me before you do anything. And she's like, "Oh, well, what would you say if let's pretend I already gave them my credit card number?" So I'm sitting there in line at like Space Mountain, Uh, and for an hour just getting more and more yeah. upset at my mom. And I'm like, mom, like this isn't 1999, right? Like it's like, but they, they, this is what they do. Cause you know, yeah. they get a message that's very scary. Yeah. And it's like, you, your computer is screwed. Call this number now. Right. And then she calls and it's like, what is this? It's like, well, we can, don't worry, ma'am. We, we can clear your computer. You just need to pay us for the, but she did. I'm like, moms cancel your credit card. Dad. Like, what are yeah. you doing? Yeah. And my mom fell. <sighs> Just terrible. But anyway, so these people are a-holes, and so some people will use their hacker ability to actually trick (laughs) the scammers into giving them access to their computers, and then these hackers will exploit them and out them and post pictures of them on the internet and uh, get them in trouble with the authorities in India. 
So going on with the email. Jim purposely allows scammers to gain access to a computer, and then he reverses the connection so that he can gain access to their computers. He is then able to listen in on their calls and step in and alert the potential victims. These scammers often target elderly people. The scams range from about $100 to completely wiping out a victim's bank account. What is the psychology of these scammers? With the right justifications, is everyone capable of taking advantage of people this way? P.S. Thanks for everything you do, and let Umberto know that I never miss an Umberto episode. Ah, nice. Berto, what is the psychology behind these scammers? Well, so I will say, first of all, I remember so many years ago, email was still kind of a new thing. And I remember I was already getting some of those emails about the the prince from such and such country in Africa. Yeah, but why do they do it? Well, the the thing is that at its core, there are people in need. And when there are people in need, because they don't have money, uh, other, even, you know, people that are less scrupulous, they take advantage of that. And they set up scams. And this happens, has happened historically all of human history. This is just a way where they found, like, we can do this remotely. We don't have to be on location breaking into a house. Right. We can just remotely try to scam people out of money. Right. In poverty-stricken communities yeah. or nations, you'll have higher rates of break-ins to a house, That's right. higher rates of carjackings, higher rates of pickpocketing. Well, and, and my point was that this didn't just start. This started as soon as email started. <laughs> right. And uh, when you look at it, you think, these people are psychopathic. They are preying on... Weak people who don't understand how things are well, going Well, the on. people that set up the systems are. The- well, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if we can say that for sure. I mean, there's certainly the behavior is psychopathic, but, but, uh, and I'm, and I don't, I don't, neither one of us are in those communities, so we don't really know what, what this is going on. Well, I, I guess the way I look at it is okay, so growing up in Bogota, when you go down the street, you know that there's a high likelihood you're going to get pickpocketed or something's going to get stolen. But all those kids doing that, they're not all psychopaths. Right. In fact, a lot of them work for some psychopath. <laughs> and so or someone who is trying to get ahead and is creating and an is organization abusing and using those kids, you know. Right. So similarly, I I don't believe that because these are a lot of people in those call centers that yeah. they basically this is a like a numbers game. So it's some kid who's like, "Okay, I guess I'll make some money." Now, is this kid someone who maybe has fewer good influences, maybe they're a little more ambiguous in their morality, maybe yes, because they have to be aware to some extent that they're well, so pulling a scam. But I, on some podcasts, they've done some deep dives into these people. Yeah, and from what I understand, and I'm sure it's really complex, and there's a lot of different avenues. But a common story, I think, is a guy. He's 20 and he needs a job, and yeah. there's not a lot of jobs in his town in India, and he gets this notification that he can get he can apply for this job at a call center where they will maybe try to sell knives to people or something. Yep. So he goes to apply to the job and it says earn money and you'll you know da 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 everything will be great. He shows up to the interview with the intention of having a legitimate job and they say well uh, what we do here is this and that and then slowly they start to yeah. introduce the thing to you and a lot of people will drop out. A lot of people are like I'm not going to do this. But then other people are like, well, I don't really have another job. And it's usually led by a charismatic, intimidating individual 
without scruples. Maybe a psychopath, but it's hard to tell because poverty will cause a lot of people to do that, some, That's what some I'm saying. So, things. and for example, the email scams, those are even, because as you know, like, first of all, the, the level of education of the people trying to pull the scams is usually quite evidently low. Uh, a lot of these videos that I've seen, it's like, oh man, you just almost feel sorry for the scammer because they're not thinking so well. But the thing is that in their community, word spreads, hey, if you want some extra bucks, do this. There's this little system you can leverage. Uh, the system's already set up. It's not like they're figuring out the system from right. scratch. They just have to send the, the, the email to as many recipients as they can. And then if they get a bite, then they follow these steps and then they do whatever. Right. So it's like a lot of these people are just poor and they're just trying to make a buck. Right. I do think some of them are more unscrupulous. And I think the people in charge and the people that come up with the systems and come up with the websites with the actual viruses... Yeah, the, those are further down the criminal path. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, they're certainly further down the criminal path. I just don't know if they're further down the psychopathy path. Right. Yeah, I, I uh, agree. It's hard to know. I mean, certainly it's probably a higher prevalence, but I think that when you work at a call center for 10 years, you, yeah. you, get, you get elevated or you start your own call center. And you're, yeah. But so let me get to what the justifications are. Cause, and this I, I'm fairly sure of because I've, heard from the individuals who do this because one of the things that they do just to give some more background is it, when you confront them and you're like you're scamming me right now it, you, they always come at you really hard yeah very aggressive they'll, i've done that <laughs> yeah they'll, they'll be like screw you american you you, you piece of crap you know yeah. they use all the swear words and they're and they're like you know you privileged racist country and you deserve to have your money taken away from you well, I, that's i've never even heard that i was just like F you! Screw you! Yeah. F you! <laughs> so not only are they scamming you, but they they almost hate you. Yeah. They they hate Americans yeah. for for some reason. And so what I've heard from some of these individuals on these podcasts that I listen to about it is that uh, they have been indoctrinated in, in, by their culture or at least by their organization that Americans deserve to be scammed. Yeah. Because they're stupid, they're too rich, they're entitled, they're racist. You know, the rest of the world gets fed a news stream that doesn't paint Americans in a good light, right? let's just say, necessarily. And so it wouldn't be hard if you are in India and fed the typical tweets that come at you about Americans, and yep. particularly if you already have a bias against Americans, to have this idea that Americans are crap and they're entitled. They have to weigh too much money uh, and we're over here struggling and their, uh, their imperialism is ruining the world. So they deserve it. So, yeah. that, so that's one justification. Another is, like we're saying, is they're desperate. They're, yeah. they're completely in poverty. There's no other job opportunities and they need to pay their bills. And the, the privilege that Americans have when it comes to this, it's like, why would you do that? Most of the world is below a certain line where if they get sick, they're, they can't get medical care. Yep. They, they can't, you know, uh, I was talking, when I was in Cuba, in Havana, I was talking with someone, and they were telling me about how their mother had cancer. And he was saying that his, in, the, in the United States... Even if you didn't have medical insurance, it was a pretty low-cost uh, treatment mm. and probably would have been paid for by a hospital out of charity or something like that. Mm -hmm. 
and it would have taken pretty minimal, like, I don't know what it was, like, like just regular chemotherapy. It wasn't super involved. And he was saying that if my mom lived in the States, she would have been cured five years ago. Yeah. But because we're in Cuba and I earn $10 a month or something, and only the rich people in Havana can afford that, and that's only like the top 0.1%, I cannot get my mom treatment. And since this is an insular country, I can't get her out of the country. Mm. So she is going to die soon because I can't come up with the money to pay for her cancer treatment. Right. And so think about that and then think about, hey, there's this job that pays 10 times as much. Right. And you just have to say, well, you know, Americans have a lot of money to spare. And so, you know, when I take $600 from that elderly woman in Florida, she'll still be able to pay her bills. It's just a little (laughs) bit from her pocket change. You know, that's that's how they see it. Anyway. Um, Also, sometimes they're being intimidated by psychopathic mob bosses who are actually terrorizing the employees and saying, if if you quit, I'll come after you. Yep. Or if you don't produce, I will come after you. I know where you live. You know, there are mobs in these countries that will uh, do these kinds of things. Yeah. And that, that's what I mean is that, like, if you if you want to go after the monsters, look at who's in charge of the rings. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> and also normalization. You know, if you are in a community of people where they do these kinds of things, it just becomes normal. Yeah. So... Again, from our standpoint, it's like, why would these individuals do this? Are they all psychopaths? And the answer is no. Right. When you add up all the things that we just talked about, I imagine it lays the groundwork for being able to justify that in your mind, where it doesn't, it's not dissonant with your, with your morals. Um, so let's get to some fun questions. Patron Molly just emailed in, Berto, and said, what are your top three favorite foods starting with number three? Top three favorite fo- foods? Yeah. Okay. Ooh, I, this is juicy. All right. <laughs> uh, okay, my number three favorite food would be a really nice uh, trout. Wait, you're eating fish now? Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm a vegan plus. Oh, Plus my yeah. What are they? Because pescatarians are vegetarians that eat fish, but like, yeah. uh, what's a vegan pet who sometimes eats fish? Yeah, it's a pescatarian. <laughs> uh. But anyways, like a really nice trout cooked like with oh man, it's just herbs and stuff. It's just really good. Okay, my my number two dish would be arroz con coco y pasas. It's the coconut rice with raisins that my grandma makes. Mm. And then my number one would be. Mote de ñame, which is also what my grandma makes, which is a soup with this fibrous root called ñame that makes it kind of white, creamy. And then uh, it's got this cheese, cheese chunks in it. And then you put lime and onions. And it's so good. Oh, God. And then honorable mention, because it's just not a full meal, but it's my grandma's arepas. Arepas are these cheesy bread cornmeal things that are... How many of these things did I have when I was down there? You had arepas. I don't know if you had mote de ñame, sadly. You might not have. But you had the rice. I had great food when I was yeah, there. Yeah, and you had... Yeah, basically, she makes a lot of yummy things. And it was on a beautiful presentation. <laughs> yes, she always does do that. Yeah. It's true. Every day. It's not like... Like, 
you, you might think, oh, that was a special lunch. No, every day there's like a, a, a beautiful presentation. <laughs> yeah. I felt like such a such a glutton too because I, I, I had like seconds and thirds yeah. while, while everyone else is but just... But that's what they want. If you don't, they're like, you're not eating. Kirk, you're not eating. Well, then your grandpa <laughs> was just bonding with me the whole yeah. time. You know, just like we couldn't communicate, but he, we were communicating with our eyes and our, and our thumbs up all the time. <laughs> uh, my number three is pizza. I love pizza. Good pizza. Yeah. yeah but even really nice. but even moderate pizza is still it's still good. Still good to me if it's fresh out of the nice. oven. My s- number 2 is nachos, but it's got to be good nachos. Mm. Which means that it can't be soggy. Mm. It can't be uh there has to be enough cheese but not too much cheese. Okay. There has to be some guac, some good homemade guac, probably some uh chorizo in there. Chorizo is pork, right? It's chorizo the, is a sausage pork. Yeah, a pork sausage. Oh, well, I think, I think I'm thinking of something else. I'm thinking of pork that is, it's almost like cooked pork, pulled pork. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, as pork is glorious on nachos. <laughs> but anyway, and then my number one is Spam Musubi because it's mm. great and it is um, soul, oh. soul food to me. I'm so dumb. I gotta modify my number three. I, 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 it is still fish, but it's a, it's my birthday burger I get every year. I know year. you talk about that yeah, all the time. Yeah, it's my, it's from the Wanted comic book. It's, it's salmon with uh, mustard greens and wasabi mayo on a on a nice sourdough shibata roll. Yeah, sounds good. Oh, so good. Uh, I had Grubhub salmon burger, and it was too salty today. <laughs> Uh, my honorable mentions are ramen, uh, a good grilled ham and cheese sandwich, like from mm, Valhalla Sandwiches sure. here in Seattle. A good bagel sandwich. Oh, yeah. Without, you know, you want a lot of cream cheese, but not too much. Yeah. And ikura sashimi, which is the salmon egg, and tater tots. Mm. So I you can't gotta, believe I didn't put sushi in the list, though. I should put sushi in the list. So someone emailed in and wanted to ask me about my vocal harmony plugin. So they said, would you mind revealing? So if you don't know, for a while I had this. Okay, well, so I got. It's Seattle. So from the very beginning of this podcast, 13 years ago, I always wanted to make a actual record because I'm a musician. Yeah. That I wanted to make a. Special Psychology in Seattle introduction. And when I finally had enough time, it was a couple years ago. After 11 years, I finally had enough time to record an actual introduction. And so I thought about it a long time and I was like, okay, well, in Psychology in Seattle, there are a certain amount of vowels. Right. So if if you ignore the Y, so Psy-call, there's no O. Um, in uh, or no no sorry, there's a number of letters. How do yeah, I it was do the this? letters, right? Yeah, in, uh, each, in each syllable. Yeah, maybe it was. It, psych- anyway, I, I and figured, those were the the number of the note. Yeah, right? I, I I was doing a I, I I wanted the chords to be related to the letters that are in Psychology in yeah. Seattle. Right. Oh, it was the actual letters that have. You know, A through, and someone figured it out on the yeah. Because I I asked everyone yeah. to figure it out, and and I'm someone sad I didn't figure it well, out. Well, and someone <laughs> s- said, "Well, your your chords are follow the letters in Psychology in Seattle, 
but that's too easy. And you're like, that's what it is. Well, but that's what it is. Yeah. I, I think that's what happened to me. Cause I obviously figured out what you were playing and I was looking for some deep, you know, cause I would have gone with like pie and yeah, some you, other yeah. thing. <laughs> but I, I, I just had, you know, and, and no one would have figured it out if I didn't say there's a yeah. secret message in the, yeah, yeah. In the, but anyway, so I recorded it and I sang all the parts and uh, it didn't take me very long because it's just yeah. it's just five chords. And so then I release it and immediately people are saying, I don't like the intro. <laughs> I don't I think it's weird. Oh, it, no. It bothers me. I go back to the other. <sighs> and I think a lot of people didn't know that I recorded it. Right. And that I wrote it special. They thought uh, it was just some uh, kind of weird uh, thing that I did. No good deed. <laughs> and so I, at first, was like, well, you know, change, it's hard. Change a version is hard. Yeah. But then after, I don't know, a number of months, I, it started getting on my nerves, too, because, <laughs> because I knew it was getting on other people's nerves, and so I took it out. So, okay. But there's still some... But it's a relic. But there's still some reruns that have yeah. it. But anyway, so then this person emails them. Would you mind revealing the vocal harmony plugin you use in your podcast intro? It's very intriguing, and I wish to use it in my music production. End of email. Well, the answer is <laughs> multi-track. I don't use a vocal harmony. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's just me singing several versions, you know, overdubbing, and that's my perfect harmony that I'm able to sing. And I don't even use autotune. Very nice. So uh, that's just me showing off. All right. Upper tier patron, Lara from Toronto. Lara or Lara? I always get it wrong. I think it's Lara. Sorry, Lara or Lara for getting it right. Lara Croft. I'm a singer who feels very comfortable performing on stage. As soon as I sing one-on-one to someone I'm close to, or if I know I'm being recorded, I fumble and forget how to sing. Perhaps, perhaps I feel more comfortable expressing myself and being vulnerable with my art around strangers than those I'm close to. Why do you think that is, Berto? Oh man, yeah, I had. I mean, oh man, I had so many struggles with this. Sort of an opposite. Um, I would, whenever I would go perform with my band, my throat would tighten up. And I would, so I started developing these super elaborate rituals where I'm like, okay, I need to have this kind of tea and this kind of lozenge and this kind of thing all before I go up. But I think it was a combination of poor technique and and nerves, you know? And then over the years, I started getting better and then, then that started going away. But man, it was horrible. Whereas if I was just singing like at a party or at karaoke or whatever, I didn't have that problem. But she has the opposite. She has the opposite, which is interesting. So, uh, okay, so when I was trying to perform for people in a in a club, subconsciously, I was my life was riding on it. I the, this is the chance for me to receive approval from society. So if if I screw up, it will mean I'm a failure as a human being. Right. Um, and when I'm at a karaoke, I'm like, ah, oh, we're just having fun. No one cares. You know, I'm barely gonna get to sing because everyone wants to sing. Right. So that's a good. Uh, example of find out where the fear is. So yeah. for you, Lara slash Laura, figuring out what it is that you're afraid of when you're in front of a crowd of people, there's something that is about that that makes it so you're not you're not feeling the fear. But when you're in front of people, and I'll say that I don't I can't really relate to this a lot. Well, actually, I can sort of. So when I am on YouTube Live, I am 
potentially talking to thousands of people on the internet at that point. But I have zero nerves. Because you don't see them. Because I don't see them. (laughs) And there are so many of them. Yeah. But if I was on in the same situation and I was on a Zoom meeting with uh, 10 strangers, Uh I would be sweating bullets. (laughs) You know, if I could see their faces. They're seeing you. They're... I'm seeing them. But there's only 10 of them. Ah, but they know I'm here. <laughs> but I feel their presence. Yeah, yeah. Whereas with thousands of people on YouTube Live, right. I, I can't really feel it. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't sense that they're there. And uh, usually performance anxiety has to do with what Berto's talking about is if I fail, then my life is over. over. <laughs> There's some kind of a lot. The tribe will take me out back and yeah. shoot me. <laughs> now, another, uh, which is, you know, possibly the underlying evolutionary uh, <laughs> feeling. But for you, I wonder, anonymous or, or up to your patron, Laura, is it relate? So let me ask you some questions and you, you can explore. Have you ever been traumatized in small group performances? Do you worry about people close to you judging you as opposed to crowds? Do you have a lot of positive experiences with crowds? When you're in a crowd, do you not focus on any one person and does it feel like no one's really there? When you're in front of uh, small groups of people, are you worried that if one person gives you a negative face? Because that's one one of the things when you're in a large crowd, you can't really register people's faces as well. Whereas if you're performing to three people, you can register all three of their their faces very easily. Mm. (laughs) And I find that when I'm – so I've – Berto and I have both done this. We've played to large crowds. We've played to small crowds. I like playing to large crowds because if I – when I'm performing, I don't want anyone to worry about what they are looking like. Yeah. Whereas when I am performing to 15 people, then I'm worried for the – audience mm-hmm. because i'm worried that they're going to feel bad if they're not paying attention sure or if they go to the bathroom <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. or they start talking amongst themselves more pressure on them and i don't want them to feel that way because i don't i just want i want them to do whatever they want to look there there absolutely and and there's this other aspect too which is as you know you're in a club it's loud so other than the performance anxiety I was talking about, in reality, you can barely hear what's happening. People are not going to hear that well. It's all kind of blending together. So, it, And there's a lot of energy in the room. Even if it's not a large crowd, your band's certainly got energy and stuff. When you're in a room, it's like you sing us a song. Yeah. And it's just three people looking at you. It's very intimate and quiet. And then you're like, every little imperfection will be heard. And in a studio, you know what it's like. You've got those headphones. There's some people sitting there across from you in a, in a desk and they're getting paid. So they don't care about you or your music. And they're looking at you and they, they're waiting for you to finish the stupid song so they can go home. Yeah. And you're sitting there and every little note you hear, Oh my gosh, I just, I just wavered a little bit. Oh, is that the right, you know, it's, it's, I can see that. Yeah. You know, for, for me, I also had problems in the studio in that sense. Uh, I would get very nervous too. Um, I suppose if, you know, if we were at a party and everyone gets quiet and you hand me a guitar and you're like, Berto, play for us, that would be super intimidating. Yeah. But that's very different from like, we're just kind of having a party and, I sing karaoke or something you know, like that's yeah. very different. Listener Jason wrote in and uh, had this really great email, which has a long story to it. So I hope you'll indulge me. Uh, 
My girlfriend and I spend most of the pandemic, spent most of the pandemic becoming 90-day fiancé completists by ruthlessly watching the, entire, the entirety of the back catalog. In the course of this, I stumbled upon Dr. Hanna's reaction videos. I was immediately charmed seeing someone try to use something so destructive as reality TV to try to help the world. I gleaned a lot of insight about myself from Dr. Hanna's reaction videos to 90 Day Fiance and, and whatnot. This past season, I was in, I, I, it was frustrating watching Mike validate or watching Mike vacillate with Natalie. If you don't know, there's this couple, Mike and Natalie. I actually lives in Squim. I think I was, we did a reaction to them. Right? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Several times I found myself exclaiming, pull the trigger or let her go, dude. So with Mike and Natalie, yep. Mike would vacillate. Okay. So se- several times I found myself exclaiming, pull the trigger or let her go, dude. To my chagrin, I realized I was being a hypocrite. My girlfriend and I have been together for five years, and I had to ask myself what was holding me back. When I interrogated myself, I came to understand that I was letting fear drive me when I should have been choosing love instead. I thought having something we'd shared during this time as part of my proposal would make her laugh. And Dr. Honda, who conveys a deep sense of caring for his fellow human, came immediately to mind as the only person related to the show who I wanted involved even tangentially to our wedding. So I asked Dr. Honda to propose for me to my girlfriend in a cameo, and he did it, and I showed it to her, and she said yes. Oh, man. The message Dr. Honda sent was so very thoughtful, and the conclusions he drew from my brief 200-word request were very astute. I think he means 200-character, because it's not 200 words. Um, But most importantly... His actual joy at being involved really came through. So thank you, Dr. Hanna. We are getting married. Yay! So yeah, this was intense, man. This was intense. Sure. Because you get cameos like, tell, tell my wife happy birthday. Yeah. And those are pretty you know, easy to, to do. But then I get this one that's, I need you to propose to my wife for me. Right. And I immediately go to my wife. I'm like... Stacey, you're not going to believe what cameo I just got. Because on one hand, I'm like, no, I'm not going to. That's too intense, man. Yeah. Like, that's that's that. You don't want. I, I I'm not. I, I, I don't have that power. You know, I can't be that person. But then I was like, but how awesome is this? You know, and and it's in line. Yeah. You know, they were watching all the all the shows, right. and it was related to the Mike and Natalie situation, and and so yeah, I I and I remember. Because he drew, he he dropped in a few details about their life, and I remember kind of expanding on it a little bit, and nice. being like, "Oh well, maybe this is going on." And so apparently, I was right about that. But <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's really one of the highlights of my life to propose for someone. That's awesome, you know. That and and to think about how for her it must because one, you get a cameo from one of the people that you watch on YouTube. Right. That's pretty shocking. But then. They propose, right? And I remember I, I I let it linger for a while. Mm-hmm. Like I let I, I I thought it would just be you know just a message, and then I the very end. I, <laughs> anyway, you know I I sent uh, a while ago I sent a cameo of um, Randy Jackson from uh, American Idol uh-huh. to Eric. Oh really? <laughs> but I never told him it was a cameo. So to this day, he thinks it's one of those uh, machine learning fake. Oh, things. 
But I Wait, don't know how because it was. He thinks it's still fake. He thinks it was fake. Why don't you tell him it's a cameo? Because I don't. I just wanted him to think it was fake. Oh my god! Because he thought it was fake, so I was like, "All right." <laughs> And it was, you know, it was like, yo, dog. Oh, because he had just, re- oh, I, I remember, Eric had been doing electronic music and he sent me one of his tracks and it sounded pretty cool. So I, I had Randy Jackson, yo, dog, that that electronic so- uh, song you sent is pretty dope, blah, blah, blah. Although a little pitchy, but you know, because that's his thing. He was always, everything was always a little pitchy. Um, and yeah, he thought it was a, a fake a fake video. <laughs> he t- he's like, it's a pretty good fake. Man, those fakes have gotten really good. You should go on Cameo. I bet you people would hire you every now and then. All right. <laughs> yeah. Tell it'll be it'll be weird stuff like tell this guy that Star Wars episode 1 sucks. <laughs> yeah. Uh Cameo's pretty fun, uh, you know, when I can't remember who suggested I think maybe Cameo reached out to me. I think that's what happened. I think Cameo reached- sc- sc- go through like top yeah. channels or you know popular channels and yeah i can't remember but at the first at the at first i was like well who wants who wants me to tell them happy birthday no one's gonna want that that's stupid and then when people started uh signing up for it i it's a totally different form i'm not used to it yeah and it took me a while to get used to it about you know like let me give it to you maybe you're better at this okay so I'll, i'm gonna give you a cameo right now okay so yeah. I want you to say happy birthday to my wife Stacy. She has she was bad, she was been she had a really hard time during the pandemic as everyone did, but now she's excited to go out into the world and she would really she's a huge fan of yours and she would love a a cameo. Now, you got to do this in like 30 45 30 seconds. You can't you can't you can't linger. You, I mean, sometimes they do. So that was another thing I did is I watched other cameos. Right. And I noticed that most of the famous people that give cameos do it really badly. <laughs> they, they, get, <laughs> they get boring really quick. Right, right, right. And one of the best people I saw was Michael Black, Michael Ian Black. Do you know him from the States? And oh, from, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, but he's a comedian, I mean. Right. Yeah. So anyway. So, so comedians are probably better at it. Right. So yeah. go. Stacy, I... I've never been asked to do this before. I, I, I can't, I'm so honored. I, I'm so nervous. I actually, I, I'm, I think I've screwed it up already. Oh man, like, I don't think, I, why did you even ask me? I don't deserve this. And it's your birthday? Like, that's a weird thing to do. I would never ask for a cameo from you for my birthday, but I guess that's because you're not as famous as me. I'm actually really famous at this point. So I guess this is in your <laughs> extremely convoluted style. Do one for real. No, okay, okay. Hi, Stacy. I am so excited that it's your birthday. I wish we could go dancing some salsa together for your birthday, but, you know, the best I can do is wish you a very happy birthday and uh, tell you that you should party because you deserve it. Yeah, see, you're good at it. I am not, and it took me a long time to get used to the form because at the same time, I'm a clinician and I have to have some kind of professionalism. Sure, and you gotta maintain your... But I mean, I bet you you do fine. <laughs> it took You're me a while, being, though. It yeah, took me a okay. while. But a lot of people have done it, so I've, got, I've, gotten, I've gotten better. And what I didn't expect was it feels nice to be there at anniversaries, yeah. at birthdays, at uh, even difficult moments in people's yeah. lives, at proposals... You know? Oh gosh! Hey Johnny, so 
your girlfriend asked me to tell you she's been cheating on you. And uh, so, I, so I get stuff like that sometimes, but oh, I, I, de- I decline it. Of course. I just like, no. <laughs> um, all right. So Discord people. Orla, good old Orla on Discord says, if there was a zombie apocalypse, how would you both survive? This is for you and me. Ooh, I love these. Okay, first of all, did you play Left 4 Dead? Didn't we, did you play Left 4 Dead? With no, me I watched and, you play it. Oh my gosh, that's so fun. So I would use the Left 4 Dead playbook. We got to board up the house. We got to find a higher ground. We got to find some weapons. And uh, the thing is, community is the key. But you got to have the right kind of community. If you don't trust the people, that's how you die. So I'm calling you. I can trust you. Uh, who else are we going to call into our little zombie survival? Uh, I guess the, the pod wife will probably make it. She's, she's trustworthy. She's very... And I bet you she can kick some zombie ass. She's very athletic. We got to call Mandy. She will kick some zombies in the head. <laughs> so... Um, Lita, oh my gosh, Lita would annihilate zombies. So my answer to this question is I would not survive the zombie. <laughs> well, let's take a break. We get back. Let's answer more questions. What do you say, Bruno? Let's do it. All right, we're back from the break. Let's do some OPPs. OPP. Some old patron shout outs. These people have been... Patrons of the podcast ever since August of 2017. Oh, man. They became patrons and they stuck with us this whole time. We have stuck a, on you. We have upper tier patron Akemi from California. I've actually met her. Oh. She is a wonderful person. And every once in a while, she sends me a card with a little donation to the podcast. That and is this, so sweet. And this goes back years and years. And uh, yeah, wonderful person. We have Pavel from San Jose. Nice. We have Alexandra from Toronto. Ooh. We have Michael from uh, Georgia. Nice. We have Kimber, right who is a even more deserving listener from Texas. We cool. have Jen from Minnesota, I believe. Minnesota. Don't do they have the Spalding lights in Minnesota? We have Melinda from Texas. I think we've met or emailed with Melinda. We have Valerie, who I don't know where she's from. We have Valerie. We have Diane from Kent, Washington, where I was nice. born, where I was born. We have Bridget from Maryland. Mm. We have Tony from God knows where. We Ooh, have God knows where. Karina from Norfolk, Virginia. Is it pronounced Norfolk? Norfolk, not Norfolk. 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 We have Emma from Covington, Washington, mm. and we have Tamim from God Knows Where. Thank you nice. all for being a patron of the podcast, Woo! and for so, so long, you all could, uh, if, if y'all out there are not patrons of the podcast yet, you could become one, and one day you will be talked about during an OPP. Okay, next question. Out of the out of the box of chocolates, which is your favorite? Mint, orange, fudge, caramel, plain nut, or Turkish delight? Ooh, Turkish delight. But why is Turkish delight in the box of chocolates? Yeah. Okay, I will take Turkish delight with orange second. I like citrusy chocolates. So, have you had Turkish delight? Yeah, and you like it? I love it. Okay, but th- but there's some that are crappy. Um, many years ago, someone brought to the office a uh, imported box. Of the best Turkish delight I've ever had in my life. And since then, it's almost like, you know, it'll never be the same. I can't recreate. Yeah, me too. Uh, My neighbors came back. I was taking care of their chickens. 
and they brought back actual Turkish delight from Turkey, mm. and it was it was amazing. Yeah, but for me, caramel all the way. Why do let's go? Good old Orla has another question. Why do people either love or hate Marmite? Or, or, <laughs> is Marmite like Vegemite, or is it? I don't know. What is Marmite? So uh, neither of us know what Marmite is. Is that Orla. an Aussie thing? Uh, zero idea. I come from the land of Marmite. Uh, Artist Wolf says, "Do you think animals feel emotions the same way we do?" Um, okay, so <laughs> obviously. This is the billion-dollar question. Uh, A, clearly animals feel, uh, depending on the level of animal, they feel more or less. I mean, what does feeling mean? But certainly sensory input is going into many animals' brains, and they are reacting on that, or nervous systems. Now, do they feel? Well, uh, there's been there's been indications that uh, pets and chimps and other kinds of higher-level animals certainly can f- show attachment uh, there's been these famous stories of uh, mother, you know, mothers cradling their their dead infants and things. So, you know, do they feel in English? Do, do they have thoughts that say, "Oh, I'm so sad and deaf"? No, of course not. Do they have hormones that release similarly to what we feel inside of our bodies when something bad is happening? Yeah, probably. Uh, so, yeah, they feel just it's a different experience than it is uh, for a human because we have so many layers of metaphor uh different in that we are smarter and can think more abstractly but at its fundamental level i adhere to the theory that meaning that the you know because there's a lot of research in this area that that animals absolutely do feel the exact same emotions that we do and when i was growing up clearly not though (laughs) Like, like, you know, we have, um, because of those layers, you can't take those layers for granted. Well, we can, like a fly feels. (laughs) But basic emotions like sadness or pain or jealousy or uh, disgust or anger are emotions that we can feel in a knee jerk, you know, yeah. Our, our knee-jerk reaction. We just don't know where that gradient starts, you know. Well, we don't even know where the gradient starts between other humans. Exactly. Like, my version of green or my version of anger, right. is it the same version for you? Right. We so, have no idea. So, it's, you know, when a dog sees another dog, it's like, rah, 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 rah. is that anger? Well, uh, <laughs> we would look at that and, and interpret it, it as anger, but it might not be anger. Exactly. It might be more curiosity. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's, it's hard to say exactly the same because, but, you but know. But I'm quite confident given the research, and there's a lot of research on this. Like, there's a ton of research where they show jealousy, for example. Oh, I, yeah, I mean. And I mean, that's an emotion. Certainly. Just like of you being, can draw parallels. But yeah. And joy and play. But you still won't have the. And depression. You still won't have. And anxiety. The, you. you you can't call it equivalent because you can say, hey, there's similar patterns but, that, that develop inside of their bodies. But how do you call your jealousy the same as mine? I can't. So we, but but so, it's closer in, in genre. How do you in know? Grouping. How do you know? Uh, well, because if you watch our behavior, it, it seems to fall into similar patterns, right? But a dog's behavior is very different than our behavior. Right. But we can't know. And it depends on what we mean by emotion. Some some yeah. people will define it as behavioral, and some people will define it as internal, which is the way I yeah. a, a, a define it. And in that realm, it's more philosophical, but also based on behavior. And uh, when I was so, there are two problems that I see. One is is that 
when I was growing up, I was told that animals didn't have emotions, and that's why that's what made us different from them. Right. That uh, they weren't going to heaven, for example. Yeah, that stems from like animals don't have souls, humans yeah. do. And it's okay to exploit them because right. they don't have emotions. Right. And clearly that was wrong, but there's a still a lot of people that believe that and sort of need to adhere to that given what they are doing or participating in systems that actually will yeah. exploit animals. Um, the other uh, problem that people will run into is, uh, well, I think those are the two. Yeah, and, and the thing is, like, if we get caught in the infinite regression, oh. it gets really difficult to live at all in this universe because, you know, yes, the fly was alive. It has feelings, and when you squish it, you've squashed its feelings forever. But sometimes you have to because it's carrying a disease, and you you know the mosquito could kill your infant, and the you know yeah. And then when you, where do you draw the line? That is a very hard question, right? And the other thing is that people will say, they'll they'll say, well, humans are very good at anthropomorphizing. They're very good at yep. inserting emotions. I don't know if that's the right word, anthropomorphize, but. We will insert emotions in anything. We'll insert emotions into a teddy bear. Like if you pick up a teddy bear and rip its head off, people will feel bad for yeah, the teddy bear. they'll be horrified. But it's like it's, it's just a bit of carpet and like stuffing. It doesn't right. have – so we're very good at inserting emotions into, into other animals. And so people will swing to the other side and say animals don't have emotions. Again, there's a ton of research on this that exhibit – especially animals that are social that are closer to us on the tree that will like other chimps for example that will exhibit emotions that are ex behavioral yeah. reactions of emotions that are extremely familiar to yeah, us yeah absolutely and so i have no doubt that animals experience emotions very similar to us especially animals like other primates and dogs and and these kinds of animals she's like take i have a cat my cat scratches my awesome leather piano bench. And I've tried so many ways to get him to stop. But the way it feels to me is like he's purposely. You know you can clip their nails. Like you I, I know I've started to do it. But I think in my mind. I, I, and I and for those advocates out there, I'm saying just trimming yeah, the no, nail. No, not, not cutting all the not way. Not cutting just, off yeah. their fingers. Uh, I definitely anthropomorphize because uh, I'm like, hey. This is a little human who's testing me, and he knows how much it annoys me. And look at him. He's looking at me. He knows. But that's all an illusion. Yeah. He, in reality, he's like, I'm marking my territory again. I'm marking my territory again. Right. I'm marking my territory again. And then when I spray him, he's like, oh, what? Oh, okay, I'll mark it over here instead. I'll mark right. it. And that's what's happening. Right. So does he have emotions? Yes. Is it the same experience as me? No. Well, is it interpretable by your limited understanding of cat behavior? Well, they, no. don't, they don't have all the mental systems to have the same kind of experience. They can't possibly. They don't know what a piano bench is, much less why I care. They don't know the difference between me but paying me, money for the, the piano bench. For me, the definition of emotion that I'm writing on is that initial reaction. The interpretation. So let me give an example of me, for example. I am walking down the street and someone I'm, – I'm in the grocery store and someone uh, hits my cart with their cart. Yeah. And – or I see – even better. I see them not they're, – they're looking down at their phone yeah. and I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, they're going to hit me. And they hit my cart. 
in that moment, I have a visceral emotional response. Okay. Yes. What, okay. And then I have a thought yeah. that they're an a-hole. They are on their phone. This is one of those entitled a-holes that doesn't watch where they're going. And you've just embarrassed us. And I can't believe you just did that. And you probably do this to all sorts. Okay. So all those thoughts are higher-minded thinking, abstract ideas, trying to mentalize, trying to, you know, I, I'm doing But right. my visceral boom for that half second is the emotion that I'm referring to. And that emotion, I imagine, given all the research, is very translatable to other animals. That, see, that's where we leave our, our shores depart, our, our ships depart to different shores, because that's too general. Because what you're saying is that organisms react to stimuli, and they do. But you can see that in a plant, right? But a plant doesn't have emotion. It, it reacts to stimulus. Yeah. And an emotion, the way you're describing it, is the reaction, the initial uh, non- uh, processed, say, a reaction to the stimulus, right? And now, but even then, I would say, well, even then, we have reactions to stimulus that are different than other animals. For example, some animals will react to an ultraviolet stimulus where we won't. Well, what I'm saying is, but in between, and there's a gradient there, yeah. which I appreciate, that in between a plant reacting to being lacerated, for example, right, and... Uh, higher-minded poems about the cart that runs into me <laughs> in between is a shared zone for many animals. Not all, though. Many animals share very similar emotional reactions that we have. And, that, and that's demonstrated by the evidence. I, I agree with you. I just think you're, it would help your argument to move a little bit more into the processed zone. Because like when you were saying, hey, some of these chimps, they feel jealousy. I feel like th that starts getting into a little bit of the metaphor, which is great because it shows that not only do animals feel the initial reaction, many of them actually abstract yeah. and go to the grief and to the ongoing grief. And, yeah. to the, and it's true. And so like when a cow yeah, loses its, you know. Yeah, elephants, uh, I think octopi, octopuses, yeah. uh, birds. Yeah, so you'll never get me to disagree with that, of course. Yeah, but... The question uh, from Artist Wolf, do you think animals feel emotions the same way we do? Um, I would say not exactly the same. You would say, yes, sort of. <laughs> it, de it depends on what we mean by yeah, emotion. Yeah. Uh, Pi on Discord says, are Kirk and Birdo still in a band? <laughs> it's in a long hiatus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I was actually kind of trying to figure that out for myself because I was in a band where we covered... Uh, strokes music and loved it we were called new york city cops and you can go to facebook and find us there and i the, and then the pandemic hit and we were already kind of floundering anyway but not but not uh completely we hadn't broken up or anything no and then and you're having good shows man you had some really good shows yeah and we went into the pandemic and now that we're coming out of the pandemic i'm like are we still a band? <laughs> like, I don't really what know. Happened? <laughs> yeah, I'm not really quite sure. Uh, but I did contact Paul, the drummer, and say, let's get together, who is coincidentally your drummer as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so are you going to get back together? So, I mean, Eric moved on without explicitly moving on because Eric's been doing his own music. He, he got into electronic music. Like, he's doing electronic. And he's a writer. Uh, and he has a, another job. <laughs> um... 
I have been very busy with a lot of things. <laughs> So I don't know, man. I'm going to be writing songs for our 13th anniversary. All right. So. so we're having a 13th anniversary show on August 7th from 10 a.m. Seattle time till 11 p.m. 13 hours straight YouTube Crazy. live. And every hour on the hour, Berto is going to play one of his compositions. Um, and also, if you want to send us a gift or a card for us to open – during that event, you have to send it pretty soon because, you know, it'll take a while for it to get to us. But you can send it to the following address. Uh, you can tell it to Psychology in Seattle at 10002. That's three zeros. 10002 Aurora Avenue North, Aurora Avenue North, Suite 36, number 214, Seattle, Washington, 98133-9334. So do that, and we would love it if we got something for you. Um, next question. Do you have recommendations for a beginner drum kit? And Berto doesn't know anything about drum kits. So I would say <laughs> I would get a simple, cheap kit or an electric, a cheap electric. Because I mean, like, that's, that's mean. I was literally going to say get a Roland, the, the cheapest version of the Roland V kit. Yeah, or uh, but real drums just feel so much better to play. They do. So I would get a simple, cheap kit from what, whatever kind of music stores around your place or even on Amazon or something. Because the, when you're starting out to play drums, you will suck so bad that it won't matter how good the drums are. So uh, a lot of no knowing how to play drums is just practice, practice, practice. In fact, one of the best ways you could actually learn how to play drums is to get rock band yeah. on a PlayStation or Xbox and, and get that yeah. thing. Because out of all the instruments, that's the one that you can kind of actually learn the motions. Right. Which always kind of boggled me because you could have a keyboard. You could. You could have a USB you hookup. totally have a keyboard. Yeah. And, and they never did that. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, but they did, they, did have, they did have a thing where you could hook up your, your guitar directly. Yeah. In. I remember that. Yeah. I have that version. Yeah. But so here's the thing though. Uh, just the one plug for the V drums is that yes, they don't feel the same, and the cheap ones especially don't. But you can wear headphones and yeah. not bother your neighbors. Right. <laughs> but there are ways to mute real drums too. You can put like blankets over them and stuff, and and use and use uh, uh, brushes instead of sticks. Soft Noodles says, if animals would have an attachment style, what would the attachment style? of your pets be. <laughs> Berto, what do you think? Oh my gosh. Okay, so my current cat, he is always trying to do bad. So uh he is, what what give me the styles again so I can Uh well, okay, you have secure, which is the most healthy and right. you trust other people and you think highly of yourself. So he's he's uh a little towards the insecure side. So we have preoccupied, anxious where you're scared and really focused on others and you're you're very preoccupied with what other people are thinking about you <laughs> okay i think he's then, gonna be a then oh. there's more avoidant where you're you you just i can't deal with other okay. people so my last cat who died sadly was definitely avoidant and definitely uh uh, what was the first one? The preoccupied? Secure? Uh, insecure, avoidant. Okay. My current cat is slightly insecure uh, and preoccupied, like attached, like very attached. Um, he's always coming up to me, rubbing himself constantly on me, and then 
biting me. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that Obi-Wan Kenobi is secure because he handles things pretty well. I would say that Princess Leia is preoccupied. She whines a lot, but it could just be because she's young. And then Azula, Azula the cat, she also is pretty secure, but she's always wanting food. Uh, Grinning Cat on Discord says, I'd like to know what Dr. Kirk thinks about Enneagram personality typing. Well, a Grinning Cat, you can listen to our episode number 998, which came out in 2009, 2019, that is titled Enneagram Personality Test. It's a patron-only episode where Berto and I take the tests and we type ourselves yeah. and we well, I critique the model, which I will give you a summary and say that there's not a lot of research supporting the Enneagram model, which shouldn't surprise people given that it's based on like mysticism yeah. that started thousands of years ago. <laughs> Same with astrology. It's like things that are based on ideas that were invented by pre-scientific civilizations <laughs> are not likely to coincide with science today. <laughs> you know, there's a reason why we don't bleed people when they have a headache. You know, it's because uh, it doesn't work. <laughs> um, Alex L says, what was the last time you laughed so hard and what was it about? <laughs> oh my gosh. Have you seen the new Rick and Morty episode? No. So I watched it with my bro. We, we like did a little screen sharing because, oh, you know, he's in a different city and stuff. Oh, my gosh. It was so funny. Um, I was laughing. It was not the full rolling on the floor. I can't breathe laughing, but it was severe laughing. For me, it was probably my the pod wife and I, we were sometimes late at night. We'll watch funny videos on Reddit. Mm hmm. And there's this one video of this kid who trips. There's nothing that makes my wife laugh harder <laughs> that kid's than, than people experiencing misfortune. Really? <laughs> yeah, she just finds that to be Shout the funniest thing. And, and so there's this one video, and if you're on Reddit, you've seen it, but he he's in this Flash costume or some kind of superhero costume. Okay. He looks like he's maybe three years old, maybe four. And he comes up to the camera, like a dad or a mom, and they're like, um, how fast can you run? And, and he, he says something like, I can run real fast. <laughs> and, and then they're like, okay, show us. And he's like, okay, I'm going to run real fast. And he turns around and it, you just, you, in your head, you just have this vision of him, you know, kind of trotting off. Yeah. The very first step he takes, he trips. Oh, no. And he, and he falls flat on his face. Oh, no. On like bricks. Yeah. And, oh, that's horrible. <laughs> but... It is horrible, but it's like right on the line. Oh my gosh! And it just—it's the funny. And people make these. Um, they edit it so that, like, there's this one where they edit it where uh, the mom says, "You know, how fast can you run?" I, say, I can run real fast. And then as he's turning around, the superhero music turns on, <laughs> and the 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 screen gets a different color. Uh -huh. And, you know, you can just feel the... Like the bionic woman sound. Yeah, it's just like it's beginning and then all of a sudden, boom, fall on his face. Yeah. So I think it's funny, but my wife just dies laughing. And then it makes me laugh even more. Right, right. That's contagious. Yeah. Good old Orla says, what is the psychology of nosy neighbors? Oh, yeah. Nosy neighbors. That's interesting. When I lived in Bogota... There was a, a neighbor that would come over to visit uh, my grandma, and I would just kind of 
catch some other conversation and it was all gossip. I didn't know what, you know, I was too young to know or care, but I could just tell they were talking about this one and the other one and everything. Uh, and the thing is the, the, the woman that was coming over seemed to know everything about all the other neighbors. So it always did strike me. I'm like, how does she know so much? I think some people, there's the natural curiosity of being a friendly neighbor and knowing, hey, how are you doing? But there's some people that get really curious. Yeah. I think it's a, I think it's, there's a lot of potential paths to becoming seen as a nosy neighbor. Uh, some are what you're talking about. I think another avenue is anxiety. If you, uh, if you have a lot of anxiety, it just, and, and your path to soothing your anxiety is to get information, then mm-hmm. that would be one way. Another is, Another path to being a nosy neighbor is culturally you just come from a place where you know your neighbors. And yeah. I'm, I'm actually one of those people. I'm not nosy, but like right. I noticed for Stacy when we moved to a new neighborhood, she doesn't really put any effort into getting to know the neighbors. <laughs> In fact, if if I didn't reach out and meet the neighbors, she probably would never know them, never know their names. Right. She's not a mean person, but it just doesn't cross her mind. Whereas for me... I consider that to be abhorrent for me <laughs> not to know the house right next door, right? To not know their names yeah. at the very least, and maybe their cell phone number to call them if if yeah. we, if we need something or if they need to you know get in contact with us. I find that to be one of the downfalls of our civilization, <laughs> like the fact that people yeah. don't just at the very least introduce themselves There's to no the community there. to their neighbors, yeah, yeah. Um, particularly because. If you get into a conflict, it's better if you started oh, yeah. off with a good relationship course, than yeah. the first time you go over there to tell them to shut their music off. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, I know we've never talked and now this is the first time I'm going to tell you to shut up. <laughs> right. So, and my mom's kind of like this too. My parents just recently moved and my mom had, she even called herself a nosy neighbor because she lives <laughs> at this house now where she can kind of see the neighborhood and, uh, she, for, she lived in a house for almost 50 years, the house that I grew up in, where you can't see any of the neighbors. Yeah. And so suddenly now from her from her high throne in her kitchen, she can see like <laughs> several of the houses around her. And, and so it compels her to want to get to know people. And yeah. she's a very friendly person. Um, There's Frank murdering his uh, wife again. <laughs> I think another reason for nosiness is that there are some people, you know, People have problems. People have relational traumas. They have mental illnesses. They or they're on a spectrum, and I think some people are, are sitting in their home really tightly wound. Yeah. And when something happens that invades their space, noise or activity or something, yeah. it's really hard for them not to get up and go next door and see what's going on. Yeah. What's up? Yeah. They. You see some of these videos on YouTube of neighbors fighting, and I think a lot of times it's this. It's people who are in their houses, they're they're struggling, they're not doing well mm. men- mentally, and it it just, they, you know, something, the dog's barking next door, or yeah. someone's working on their car and it's making noise, or someone is having a barbecue, and the, the or someone's smoking pot, and the, there's a little whiff of pot in, right. their, in their bedroom, and it's like the final straw on their stress mm-hmm. and they can't take it anymore. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that there's a lot of that going on in the world. I had a uh, neighbors next to me, uh, at the last place I lived. Very nice. Very nice. One day it was like a Sunday. They, they knocked on my door and I'm like, Hey, how's it going? 
and they had recently helped me move some something, and I thought maybe they needed help. And they're like, oh, we just wanted to talk to you. Oh, yeah, what's up? Come in. So we wanted to talk to you. Uh, essentially, they were trying to convert me to their religion. <laughs> and they were my next, very next-door neighbors. So I, it was super awkward because we had a, a... Not for me. I actually kind of enjoyed the conversation because then I started, like, poking holes and asking questions. But then, you know, when it was clear that it wasn't going to bear fruit, then it got kind of awkward because they're like, well, thank you for coming. But we're still neighbors. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's, but that's not so bad because you could just be like, well. No, it wasn't bad. It was just Because you didn't awkward. yell at him. It, it oh, just, no, not at all. No. Yeah. It was just awkward because it's, you know. All right. Well, that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. Everyone out there, please take care of yourself because you deserve it.